belly and the fish. Belly, belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish, and we got big old Ben, Belly Smokes, Hunter. Oh, yeah, you got me for a full epi today. No halvesies this time. Let's do it. Yep, no half days for you, Ben. We got you back full time. Glad to see you, buddy. Less cranky today as well. Ooh, I'm a little hot, but not exactly cranky, but it'll add to the bowels. We'll be ready for it. Can't wait. And we've got a new guest joining us today. We got Isaac Bowshot Bowen. What's up, Isaac? What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Isaac's a good friend from high school. Watched a couple of drafts in my day in his company. So I'm glad I could finally get him on and talk a little bit about this Thanksgiving game. But before we get into it, just wanted to mention a couple of things we'll be talking about at the end of the show. We're going to take a look at the playoff preview with our segment on the hunt. And we've got Isaac on the master of soccer to talk a little bit of World Cup. So you're not going to want to miss that. Jumping into the Bills Lions game. It was our Thanksgiving primetime game. The line opened at Lions plus nine and a half and stayed the same. We finished covering with a final score of 28 to 25. Bills win in Detroit. Obviously, I was at the game and not exactly the result that you'd be looking for, but it was a great experience. It was my first Thanksgiving game ever. I don't know if you've ever been to one, Bosch, but. Yeah, I was actually at the um, the Thanksgiving game against the Packers. I forget what year, but I'm pretty sure it was the game where Nadaba Kinsu stepped on Aaron Rodgers. Oh, um, hell yeah. So that was, that was the only one. I, I think probably, what, eight, nine years ago at this point, but it's, it's a cool experience for sure. Oh, yeah. It was a blast. Yeah, we had the nice club seat tickets. I'd never been up in that area of Ford Field before, but you kind of have your own little private floor with some concessions and bars and stuff. So it was super sick. Yeah, I had a blast, but it was actually crazy how many Bills fans there were. It was wild. I don't know if it was just from last week when the Browns played the Bills in Detroit, but it was crazy. It was almost like a 50-50 split. No, I can tell you right now that the Bills fans travel like super well. When they came to Tennessee last year uh, at the bars, it was literally 75% Bills fans. It's insane how well they travel. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's some, you know, like Lions fans, we have Thanksgiving game every year. And so there's people who have plans and the Bills, you know, Bills Mafia, they're going to travel for a special event like that. Yeah, it's like the most expensive game on the year, too. And Bill's Mafia just decides, you know what? Let's go to Detroit and spend our Thanksgiving there. That sounds great. Back to back weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it worked out nice for him. Honestly, when I went to the Seahawks game, I thought it was a lot louder. And I think it's just because of that 50 50 split. Because even when we were on offense, it was pretty loud in there. That's because like, I get up. The Seahawks game. You were? Yeah, it was actually. That was, oh, I didn't that was the only that. one I've been to there this year. Yeah, John was there too. Yeah, I saw John actually. Uh, I was walking in the to go to the bathroom and he pat me on the back and I was like, "What's up?" But yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Small world. Yeah, I mean, it was still a great environment. Don't get me wrong, but the Bills fans were just everywhere, and you know we were so close in that game. And I know we we're really hoping for that win, but like I said, we really just had to play a, a perfect game or close to it in order to beat that team. And You know, for the first three quarters, I thought we did a pretty good job containing Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen also looked hammered at times during that game. (laughs) He did? I couldn't tell just because it's different, you know, in person, obviously. I didn't get to watch the broadcast or anything. I mean, some of his past plays were just, what are you doing? The one that Anzalone almost picked off? (laughs) 
Yeah, he definitely wasn't 100% like the typical Josh Allen that we've come to expect. Um, I think, you know, the elbow injury is probably hurting him a little bit. But in the end of the day, he's still probably top three quarterbacks. I didn't see that elbow injury flaring up when he threw that 40-yard bomb to Diggs on the last drive. That's for damn sure. Turned it on. He thought about the Chiefs game last year. Yeah, I mean, I thought at the beginning of the game, too, you saw Josh Allen kind of testing the Lions' limits when it came to scrambling on a pass or some of those design QB runs. And you didn't really see that too much in the second and third quarter. But when they needed to make a play, that's when you saw him bust out the wheels. And then we had Jerry Jacobs going down, and you saw him kind of feeding Stephon Diggs, too. So I feel like they could have done that at any given time. And sure, the Lions had a pretty good second half. We held the Bills to only nine points. We kind of stepped up in the second half, but when Josh Allen needed to get it done, he did it on his legs. He did it to his most trusted wide receiver. And I feel like they could have, you know, if they really wanted to play hard, like this is a playoff game, they'd be busting those calls out all the time. And it would have been a lot worse than it actually was, but credit to our defense, because I thought that we managed to hold them to a pretty respectable number. I mean, it's 28 points. It's not like, you know, we held them under 20, but our offense kept pace and we were with them the entire time on top of that. We walked out with a respectable loss, even though we fumbled the ball, we gave up a safety and missed a field goal. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, even though it felt in the, you know, the day of when you lose, it hurts. But sitting back and thinking about it a little bit, like the Bills were preseason Super Bowl favorites, and you have to play a perfect game to to come out with a win in that game. And the Lions did that for probably three and a half quarters and we're, we're very close, but it's just a couple of mistakes. Like you said, the safety, the interception, um, the roughing the passer and with a Super Bowl contender, you can't make that many mistakes and expect to win. It definitely hurts. You should have seen the picture of Corbin on the drive home. <laughs> you just Looking photoshopped a tear on my eye. That doesn't mean I was actually that sad. I was happy. I mean, it's a moral victory, and I know people are just saying, I'm sick of fucking moral victories. But at the same time this season, did you really expect us to make the playoffs? I mean, we're playing on par with exactly where we expected this team to be. And everybody had this Bills game as a loss going into the season. So why can you be upset about that? We played one of the best teams in the NFL close. I mean, that's all you can really hope for. I mean, obviously, you'd like a win. Um, I will say that about midway through the game, I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Could the Lions win a Super Bowl? And then it was ripped out from under me. (laughs) Back to reality. (laughs) I don't think I was going as far as Super Bowl, but I was still – thinking, I was like, are the Lions going to win this game? And maybe, you know, we'll talk about it on the, on the hunt section, but if the Lions would have won that game, I was immediately thinking playoff overreact playoffs, you know, we're sneaking in the wild card, but I, I agree with the moral victory thing. It sucks. It seems like Dan Campbell's had a lot of moral victories, but this was probably one of the best ones where we feel like we really went toe to toe with a great team and honestly played their asses off. I mean, the yeah. Lions have kept a lot of games close this year. Didn't we lose the Eagles by like a field goal too? Yep. Oh, two of the top teams, but who knows? We'll see what happens down the stretch. Yeah, all of our losses have been close with the exception of the Patriots game. I mean, I've been pretty impressed with what this team puts on the field every given Sunday outside of that New England game. So, I mean, obviously you want to see these turn into wins, but, you know, this year the team has passed the eye test. We're so young. We're still moving forward, and I feel like we don't take steps back. We've been taking steps forward week after week. Correct. But let's hop into some of the individual performances here. Statistically, 
If you know, if you just look at the box score, Jared Goff had an all right game. He was 23 for 37 for 240 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions, no turnovers on his end, except he had that bad safety in the, in the third quarter. So, you know, that was definitely on him. I thought he could have gotten rid of the ball a little bit quicker. There was a play that was nearly picked off stupid decision by him. Some missed throws, but you know, overall, when you're playing the bills, one of the better defenses in the NFL you're not going to have your best game ever. So I was pretty happy with his performance on the ground game. DeAndre Swift finally got some more touches, but I thought that he was still pretty ineffective on that touchdown run where his knee grazed the five-yard line. Sure, it didn't go down in the record books as a TD, but I was impressed that he actually dropped his shoulder and leveled that guy and kept on driving in the end zone because normally you see him go down on those. He's not able to make those guys miss. So it was an encouraging run at least. You know, doesn't quite have that juice that he had at the beginning of the season, but still want to see him getting more touches and get more involved in that offense. We're going to need him for the end of the year if we want to make this playoff push. And I think that's what the coaches want to see from him. Um, I think it's easy to kind of go with the narrative that, you know, maybe he plays like a little bit of a pussy and won't drop the shoulder, but like coaches like Deuce Staley, Esau and Hard Knocks are trying to get him to get into that mentality of, you know, go be a dog, go do what you got to do. Um, and it, so it was nice to see him drop a shoulder like that and really try to grind that one out. Yep. Yep. And Jamal Williams, he added another touchdown to his resume, but you know, not his best day in the office either. 18 carries for 66 yards from him. We got Justin Jackson involved a little bit as well. So, you know, the run game was all right. Not our best, not our worst either, but the real star of the offense was Amon Ross St. Brown. He finished with nine catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. I mean, pretty much week in and week out, you can count on this guy for eight catches. It's crazy. I mean, he just gets open. He's as reliable as they come. You know, even when we don't have a whole lot of options on the wide receiving crew with Reynolds out and Chark still kind of getting up to speed, he still is able to dominate. The defense knows it's coming to him and they just still can't cover him. And you need a guy like that. You know, maybe he's not the the red zone threat like some other big receivers are, you know, but I mean, he can get everything done. He's everything that you need him to be. He can, He's clutch, too. He came up with that fourth and one from the from the goal line to come up with that touchdown, put the Lions up in the third quarter. So tip my cap to Amon Ross St. Brown. I kind of don't give him the, as much respect as he deserves, but in my mind, it's just kind of a given, like, okay, he's a beast. We He doesn't need any work. I'm a little bit more critical on some of these other players. So shout-out to Amon Ross St. Brown. Hell of a game. DJ Chark, on the other hand, you know, still kind of coming up to speed. He's got two catches for 16 yards and a touchdown. And obviously that third and one play in the fourth quarter where they're lying, where the Lions were trying to put the dagger in the Bills heart. He didn't track the ball. You know, he, you see him call for the ball. I think Goff kind of already threw it to him simultaneously as he was calling for it, but he doesn't get his head around. And, and that was a catchable ball for sure. He was open and that could have been a touchdown. So yeah, it was absolutely a catchable ball. I think it's tough to say where the miscommunication came from, whether or not it was supposed to be a back shoulder, like Goff threw it, or if it was supposed to be um, kind of the route that Chark ran. But yeah, that was a disappointing one because I think the the play call to go long on third and one, obviously it didn't work, so it looks stupid, but he was open, like you said. And if he makes a play, that's a great play all of a sudden, and no one's even talking about whether or not it was a dumb play to throw it on third and one. Yeah, so Chark's got some work to do. Now, on the offensive line, obviously we were down our two starting guards, even though Hapuli Vaitai was out for the beginning of the season. No Evan Brown, no Jonah Jackson. 
we started Dan Skipper and Coyote Owasika, and it was not a good day in the office. Goff got sacked twice. You know, you could tell that he was hurried on, on quite a few throws, and that kind of resulted in some bad decisions. The run game wasn't quite what we expect out of it, and, you know, it sounds like at least Jonah Jackson is trending towards starting on Sunday against Jacksonville. Haven't heard about Evan Brown yet, but it just kind of goes to show how much we rely on that offensive line to make up for some of our other shortcomings. And, you know, Evan Brown, he's going to be a free agent next year and he's already shown that he's a borderline starter. I'm sure to some team that it needs a guard is going to pay him a good contract. So we might not keep him Jonah Jackson's due for a contract after the 2023 season. So I, I want to keep on replenishing this offensive line unit and whether we do that in free agency or through the draft, we can't shy away from that. It's one of our strongest units and we've got to maintain that whether we got to bring in some other veterans who can fill in a starting spot or good depth, or if we draft a young guy and, you know, the second or third round, that's something that we've got to look for in the future. We can't let that group fall apart. Yeah. I mean, uh, pretty much every single press conference um, pregame, Dan Campbell talks about how the offensive line is the the main strength of probably the entire team. And I think in this game, we really saw, one of the ways that you can beat Buffalo is to run the ball. Their defense is set up to rush the passer and have good secondary to stop the likes of like the chiefs in the playoffs, essentially. Um, So that's why they went out and got Von Miller. And so one of the ways you can beat them is by running the ball and going ground and pound and having our two interior guys out really hurt us. I think when, like you said, Jamal had a kind of a bad day at the office, we couldn't really get the the run game going. Um, And that's when Von Miller and, and the others can, even though he got hurt in this game, when the DNs can pin their ears back and kind of get after Goff, who's obviously not the best at moving around in the pocket. Yeah. Sewell and Decker held up fine. I mean, Sewell has been getting quite a few penalties the last few games, but Decker, what was the stat? He hasn't allowed a pressure in what three, four games, something like that. Yeah. I can't remember the exact stat, but they've been both been playing well. We got Frank rag now in the middle, but next to him, you know, we've got some holes if we don't have uh, Jonah Jackson or Evan Brown and Jackson has missed some time this year. So we got to hope that that group stays healthy and that we can uh, keep it, keep this train rolling for the rest of the season. So enough about the offensive line. Let's dig into the defense a little bit. Starting with our D line. I thought that Aleem had another nice game, you know, following up from his performance against the giants, but Aiden Hutchinson was pretty much a ghost. He had a lot of almost plays, but you know, still kind of the same thing that we had the beginning of the season. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of guys you can count on a sack every game from but you know you didn't really see him defending the run you saw him get a couple of pressures but you know kind of got an arm on him but wasn't able to get Josh Allen down so you want to see him winning those one-on-ones he's one of the staples that we have on our defense he's a key player and we need him to be producing every week so definitely a down game for him but he's a rookie I'm not going to fault him too hard there the real star of the show on our defense in my opinion was James Houston aka the problem He had two sacks and a fumble recovery and only five snaps in his rookie debut. He's been a practice squad guy for the entire year. Finally got called up with Julian O'Quar and Charles Harris ruled out. So it was his time to shine and he took full advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's exactly what you want to see from some of the guys that you take in the late rounds. I think he was a sixth round pick, um, either sixth or seventh round pick and then ends up on the practice squad, but keeps grinding for the whole year. And when his number got called, he came up huge. Moving on to our linebacking crew, Alex Anzalone. Ben, is he better than Darrell Rivas? 
I don't know. Give a shout out to your boy Canadian Tyler, though. He's gonna be yeah. pissed that he had a good game. <laughs> Tyler Warlocks is eating his words because Alex Anzalone had a sick pick. It was tipped by Malcolm Rodriguez. Almost had a second one too, but I'm good with just one. He led the team in tackles with nine, but when it came down to it, there was a lot of misses on top of that too. You really, he really couldn't bottle up Josh Allen. Didn't have an answer for him when he was able to scramble, get outside the pocket, and on some of those QB designed runs. So. Some room for improvement. I mean, on the stat sheet, it looks like he had a hell of a game. But in reality, you want to clean some things up. And that's kind of, you know, what we expect from him. He's not going to, you know, he, you can get by with him. He's good and he's steady, but there's going to be some missed tackles. It was the same problem last year. So um, Malcolm Rodriguez, he looks like he's back in full swing. In fact, he had the highest PFF grade of all of our defenders with 90.5. And the one play that I remember that stood out was one of those screen passes. He just blew it up for a loss. So props to Malcolm. He's back. He's in full swing. We need him. Now moving on to our secondary. You know, for the first three quarters, seatbelt gang was in full swing. But like I mentioned earlier, once Jerry Jacobs went to the locker room with that injury, Stefan Diggs just took over and we had no answer for him. I thought Mike Hughes had a good game, but, you know, Will Harris, after a great game against the Giants, he took a step back a little bit. You know, I, th I thought it was pretty respectable just holding Diggs to, I think it was under like 40 yards in the first half. And then the very final drive, he had that uh, that deep ball catch from Josh Allen right down the middle. And that was more of just a good pass by Josh Allen. I mean, he put that thing on a rope. It was an absolute bullet. And even like a millisecond later, Kirby Joseph would have been there to break that up. But, you know, that's what happens when you're going against one of the best in the league. And, you know, with Josh Allen's arm, he can make those throws. So very low percentage, but hey, it worked out. And the Bills did what they needed to do when they had to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with, with Okuda out, I think most people were expecting Diggs to have a field day. Um, and so I think that's one of the encouraging things from this game is that even with the top corner out, they kind of held him to not really many yards. But like Belly said, even with Josh Allen kind of uh, looking drunk in the first quarter, he still all it takes is one play with 20 seconds left and he just throws it an absolute missile. And that's all she wrote. It was a respectable performance, but when it came down to it, you know, talent prevailed and it was with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. When the game was on the line, they knew they needed to make things happen. He went to his playmaker and they got it done. So, you know, not a lot we could do in that situation. Kind of a bend, don't break. We did hold the Bills to a pretty respectable score in the second half. But when it comes down to it, they just outplayed us. So real quick on coaching, um, you know, we hadn't gone at Ford on fourth down a whole lot recently in our last few games, but we were three for three. We knew when our back was against the wall, we needed to be aggressive and get it done and you know, we executed when we had to, but ultimately on that final drive, instead of going for it on that fourth and one, we kicked the field goal. You know, we, we did convert. I was just kind of thinking like, this is the Vikings game all over again, but we got it done. But you know, 25 seconds with Josh Allen on the, with the ball. I mean, he, he just outplayed our defense on that, on that drive. So we kind of talked about that DJ Chark deep ball and, you know, you can't, it's hard to say what Jared Goff was looking for on that throw. I mean, we had some underneath routes, but he elected to throw the deep ball to Chark. And people are saying, like, that was the coaching's decision. But at the same time, how do we know it's not Jared Goff's decision? I guess I haven't watched the tape. I was there in person to go through and look at exactly what reads he made. It's the quarterback's decision to throw the ball. I don't think they were like, throw to Chark no matter what. Yeah, Maybe it was absolutely. the first read. Yeah, if you it probably was the first read, but if you look at the the play, Amon Ra is 
cutting across the middle and had a had a couple yards of space that he could have hit him for the, the the first down. But I think in general with the coaching, my main takeaway is that it's still a fairly inexperienced coaching staff, um, especially at the top. Like this is probably the third or fourth game in the last two years that we've lost potentially due to bad clock management. Um, I think if you run the ball on third and one, maybe they were worried about losing yards and putting them outside of field goal range. But if you run the ball on third and one, you can take some more seconds off the clock. I think the bills probably would have called a timeout. Who knows? They might've just accepted the, the coin toss of whether or not it, we make it and go to OT or, or not. So let's put this one in the past, but before we do, let's move on to the game ball and the burning bags of dog shit. Who dog you got shit. for us, Bo shot? All right. For my game ball, uh, you touched on him earlier, but I'm going to go with the Monroe St. Brown. Mr. Consistent on our offense. Golf looks for him on pretty much every play. Nine catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. Converted a key fourth and one on an end around. He's just the guy that Golf looks to. He's the safety net. And you can see in games past this season where he was hurt or out, um, the offense just doesn't look the same without him. Um, I know it's, you know, kind of cliche to give the game ball to probably our best player on any given day, but he absolutely was the best player on offense and we wouldn't have been even close without him. Yep. No doubt. He was definitely worthy. What do you think belly? Who's getting your game ball? Oh, it's going to the guy with the leg Tyler Bass with that game closing field goal. Um, I mean, nine times out of 10, when we do this on the last of the party and you guys take all the obvious ones. So I always got to go with someone else, but um, without Tyler Bass, the game goes to overtime and who knows what would happen. So Tyler cat Tyler Bass two for two on field goals, big 45 er to end the game. What do you mean we take away all the good game balls from you? You have picked, I think, every single game you pick somebody on the other fucking team. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I turned a leaf this last game, and I think the Lions are actually okay. So my reason wow. is picked this time. <laughs> Belly, you watch is... one fucking Lions game on primetime, and you're a new man. Yeah. Well, I was eating. I was happy. It was a weird <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, you get some of those bacon water chestnuts. No, I went to uh, someone else's house, but I saw that you had some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were fucking delicious. I'll give you that. Now that the poll <laughs> is closed and John has been crowned as the winner, I can admit those water chestnuts were fucking tasty. <laughs> now that the poll's closed. I voted for you, Corb. I, was, I thought Thank you had you. The, the most Thanksgiving staples on, on your list. I agree. And everyone knocked me because I didn't have protein. And then when I had my Thanksgiving plate, when all was said and done, I had a tiny little section of turkey, like maybe three or four small dark meat pieces disgusting the rest it was all veggies dude all (laughs) veggies who cares you don't need the protein it's about the best food it's about the plate of slop the the people decided i I lost fair and square so i'll accept it isaac are you a man who just takes the whole thanksgiving plate and just mix it it into one pile 100 percent. you make the sandwiches (laughs) with the rolls gravy over the whole thing just let it roll i think you guys had some good food on there but i think Corb had the most Thanksgiving staples for me. Yeah, I tried to go more progressive. It didn't work. (laughs) No, it did not. You got two people who voted for you outside of yourself. Yeah, and she wasn't a five, so I'm not interested. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, anyways, my game ball is going to be going to James Houston. Like I said, he was an absolute problem this game. You know, five snaps, and he made the most out of it. He was called up from the practice squad with Josh Pascal and Charles Harris ruled out, but he did a hell of a job. First year out of Jackson State, practice squad guy, making the most out of his opportunity. And 
just as of today, Charles Harris was put on the IR. I think he's eligible to come back week 17. So he's pretty much done for the season. So Houston got the nod called up to the 53 man roster. I was about to kind of have a, a debate on whether we should make a spot for him and elevate him to the 53 because if team C, he was as productive as he was with only five snaps. He could be a guy who would easily get claimed on waivers. So glad that we locked him up. He'll be on the team for probably the rest of the year. And hopefully we can see some more production like that out of him. Very efficient, but let's get to the burning bags of dog shit. Bow shot. Who you got? All right. My burning bag is going to go to Austin Bryant. Um, it's not often that one play defines a game. And we've talked about a few of them in here already that could have gone either way and swayed the, the outcome. But I felt like that roughing the passer on third and 10 that put them right next to the goal line, which they converted shortly thereafter, was just a killer. Um, We might have been able to hold them to a field goal. And it was just a sometimes roughing the passer calls are 50-50, but it was just a blatant so much later than like after Josh Allen threw the ball. It was like two seconds later, he threw him to the ground. It was so stupid. Not sure he even got back in the game after that. Um, and it just kind of killed some of the defensive momentum for me. Yeah, I didn't even notice that in the moment. Like I said, just being at the game, you don't really have all the angles you do on TV and on the the big screen when they showed it, it, it cut him off and it went to the receiver down the left sideline. So I didn't even really see it, but I heard enough about it. So warranted, you know, with those guys down, you need somebody like Austin Bryant to step up and he did not. So Belly, who's getting your burning bag of dog shit? The damn money badger. That's who. That guy, just every time he goes up to kick, I just get a little nervous. I always text my buddy, and he goes, I knew you were going to text me. And then, of course, he blew the 29-yard field goal, which is shorter than an extra point to put him ahead, more like the broke badger. Uh-huh. Hilarious. You know that Tyler Bass <laughs> missed a field goal too, don't you? No, he went two for two. He missed an extra point. Yeah, whatever. That's just one point. Not as bad as a field goal inside of an extra point. When, when I saw the missed field goal, I immediately thought of you and how you, you talked about how you hate him quite a bit. I was like, <laughs> God damn it. Hey, you lose someone enough money, the hatred's real. I know all too well. There's a redemption arc. He came back and hit a long one, so whatever. I'm riding with the money badger. He might be the kicker of the future. We'll see. My burning bag this week, talked about him a little bit, but it's going to DJ Chark. I mean, he had that miscue with Goff on the third and one, and he just really hasn't lived up to the height when we signed him as a free agent. You thought he would come in and be that deep ball kind of guy. And, you know, so far he's just kind of a distraction, somebody to stretch that defense. And you need to see some more production out of him. Obviously he had the touchdown, but, you know, what what happened to him in Jacksonville two years ago? I mean, where did that guy go? That's what I want on our team. Somebody who can actually take the pressure off of Amon Ross St. Brown. And, you know, if he's not the guy, we got J-Mo just waiting to come up, chomping at the bit, and he's going to take his place. So, Chark, you better get your shit together or you might not be here next year. I mean, it was only his first, like, full game back, too. I mean, I understand exactly where you're coming from. But, I mean, after you come off an injury like that and then you miss most of the season, it's going to be tough. But, yeah, he blew it. I understand, but he has not lived up to expectations so far. So I just wanted to call him out. But good news is we only signed him to a one-year deal. Yeah, it was cheap. It was just filling gaps. I know, but still, you kind of hope that he would be the guy and we could re-sign him and he'd be another nice addition to our core. But all right, we're moving on. Full bellies from food, but not full from a win. So hopefully we can get a little bite to eat next week when we take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville snack. (laughs) Mm, Duval 
Jags are coming to the Lions in Detroit. We play them Sunday, December 4th at 1 p.m. Might be going to that game as well. We'll see. Right now, the Jags are boasting a 4-7 and seven record, and the Lions once again open as a favorite. Last time that happened, it was against the Seahawks. Didn't work out so well, but the spread is set at Lions. One-point favorites over and under is set at 52 points, and the Jags are coming off a pretty awesome win against the Ravens. Baltimore went to Jacksonville and the Jags dug it out and won 28 to 27. The last time these two teams met the lions beat the Jaguars 34 to 16 in 2020. So hopefully we can have a repeat of that. Who was their quarterback that year? The Minshew? Yeah, probably sounds about right. 2020. That was a rare Patricia win. Yeah. That was a COVID (laughs) year. But so far, the Jaguars have had one of the easiest schedules in the entire NFL. Their wins have come against the Ravens and Chargers, which are impressive, but the other two are against the Raiders and the Colts. And they had a six-game losing streak in the middle of the season after their first three games. So, But Trevor Lawrence has emerged as one of the best quarterbacks in November. I think he is the best quarterback in November. I saw an article just uh a headline. So I have maybe fact checked me on that, but he's definitely coming off his best game yet. He led a fourth quarter comeback to beat the Ravens. So they've got some momentum going and, you know, he was the first overall pick uh, in two years ago in 2021. So he's been, he's touted as one of the best quarterback prospects to come out since Andrew Luck. So, you know, up to last game, a lot of people were starting to have their doubts and that maybe Justin Fields was the best quarterback in that draft, but that was a staple win for him at home. That's going to be one that the Jaguars fans remember for a while. So that should buy him some more time with the fan base. They've also got Travis Etienne too, who's been having a great season after he was out all last year with a foot injury and didn't really look into his injury that he got against the Ravens too much, but it sounds like uh, he could have returned, but the coach has just decided to keep him on the sideline. Maybe it's that same foot that he had the injury on last year, and they decide to you know give him some time on the bench, share some of the load. They did pick up Daryl Henderson from the Rams when he was cut last week, and then Jamichael Hasty, the former 49er, is a backup for the Jaguars as well, so they've got a pretty deep running back room. Christian Kirk, the biggest signing in free agency for the Jaguars. When they signed him to that deal, I shook my head and said, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, he's literally done nothing to deserve this. But he has been living up to his contract and then some. Right now, he has nine touchdowns on the season. It's a career high for him. And he's on pace to break his yardage record for a season. Um, I think he's got 700 something and 900 mid 900 was where he finished last year. So he's on pace to have his best year yet. And he's coming pretty clutch for, for Trevor Lawrence when he needs him. So um, at the beginning of the year and you know, when the Jaguars did win those two games in a row, I was like, damn, the Jags could actually be something this year, but you know, I've started to sour on them a little bit and now I'm just like, Oh, after that win, they might be something, but this defense for the most part, it's middle of the road. I'm sure we're going to have the narrative of Trayvon Walker versus Aiden Hutchinson going on number one versus number two. So look out for that graphic on your broadcast. It's all but a guarantee. What do you guys think about uh, Jamison Williams coming back? Could he make his debut this week at home in front of the Detroit faithful? Well, the report I'm seeing right now, it says the week 13 is not a likely return. Um, Week 14 is a possibility, but I mean, I think it all depends on if they win this game, if you want to put them out there or not. Um, if they happen to drop it, I I think you just keep that kid healthy for next year. But that's just me playing a conservative like always. 
What do you think, Isaac? Dan Campbell today in his press conference said that both JMO and Romeo were going to be um, a tough task to get out there this week, but he didn't he didn't say no necessarily. So there's still potential. I think he'll come back against Minnesota. Um, like Belly said, I think we got to keep him keep him healthy. Um, but I do know like NFL reps are valuable and live full speed reps are going to be valuable. So I think he will play sometime this year, um, but I don't think it's likely for this week. I'm hoping it's all just smoke and mirrors and we roll them out there for a couple plays just to strike the fear of God into that Jacksonville defense. <laughs> I would love that. But I agree with you. Probably going to have to be another week. Minnesota would be a good time for it. That's going to be at home as well. So I just really want to see him come out bad. I mean, I know. Ah, man, when we get him, if he can just unlock another piece of that offense that we've been missing and fill that role that we wanted Chark to do, man, look out for this Lions offense because we can take another step, and that's tough to believe. Were you there early enough at the game, Corb, to, to see him run in any routes pregame on Thanksgiving? No, I was kind of in line at the bars and the concession stands for that part. So I just went, <laughs> yeah, and man. Good man. went and threw my coat down. There was a guy behind me who was talking to me a little bit, one of the chatty guys, and then got the excuse to go and get a beer. And I was out there for a good 30 minutes just before to, to get my stuff. So missed all the, the walkouts and stuff. The Kirby Joseph flip missed that Corb's keys to victory this week. I think that the Jaguars are more of a slow and steady team and that's how they've been winning some of these games, just kind of putting it on somewhat kind of like the giants, I guess. But I think that if we can put 30 points up on the Jaguars, we're going to win this game. The Jags have only scored 30 points once this year. That was at the beginning of the season. You know, they're more of a ground and pound team. Trevor Lawrence has kind of taken some of those shorter routes, some little bit more high percentage throws, not taking a whole lot of risks. So the Jags haven't been known to drop a bunch of points on teams, but then again, our defense isn't our strongest suit either. So, but our offense is going to need to be clicking. We're going to rely on that unit more than ever. We have a better offense than they do, and we need to get out of this one with a win so we can get this season back on track. I think it is a must win for us. We cannot back down if we have any shot of making the playoffs. This is a game that we cannot lose. So defensively, our two main targets should be keying in on Travis Etienne and Christian Kirk. They're the biggest weapons. They've been putting up good numbers all year. So if we can shut them down and make Trevor Lawrence use some of his other weapons, I think that we could give them a, a difficult time on the offensive end. I don't disagree, but uh, as of late, dude, Zay Jones is just emerging. I don't know why or how, but the guy put up a huge stat line last week against the Ravens, uh, 11 catches for 145. So even if we key on Kirk, it seems like everybody else can catch the ball, but defense is just going to have to be locked down, even though it's short and conservative passes and whatnot, you still got to stop them. I'd be really pissed if Marvin Jones just goes out for a huge game to a Detroit homecoming and just fucks us up. That would not be ideal. No. <clears throat> My main key for this one is I see the Jaguars as a similar team to the Lions. I believe what we're both four and seven. I think the team that makes less mistakes in this one, less penalties, less stupid turnovers. Um, if Goff, you know, he's gotten lucky a few times the past few weeks, but if he doesn't throw a stupid pass um, that gets intercepted, then I think you're right, Corbin. Then the offense can keep chugging. We can put up 30 and get the dub. Yep. Turnovers are key in every game. And, you know, that's kind of the thing about Trevor Lawrence is he hasn't had too many interceptions lately, but he's given up a few fumbles this game. I think he had maybe, you know, like four of them or so in a recent game. So I was just kind of looking at stats. I don't have it down in front of me here, but 
I mean, he can be had and he is still a young quarterback. So hopefully we can force him to, into some mistakes. I think that's going to be crucial if we're going to get out with a victory is shutting Trevor Lawrence and that offense down. Obviously, if we score more points than they do, we're going to win the game. So that adds up. Very simple. Checks out. Score more points. Let's get to some predictions here. Bosha, how do you see this one going down? All right. I think uh, the Lions, I got the Lions 28, Jaguars 17. Um, I think what you said earlier, the Jags are kind of slow and steady. Our offense is going to be able to put up more points than them. Um, we're going to be able to force a couple turnovers on a young quarterback um, and maybe get after him, get some sacks. Hutch can get back on track. And Belly, what you got? In stunning fashion, I just have the Lions losing again 28 to 25 for no reason other than um, really no reason at all. Um, I think it's going to be a tight game either way. Um, just sticking with my guns that I have all season. <laughs> I thought that you were finally getting on the bandwagon. I thought you were starting to believe a little. Trevor Lawrence, no turnovers. Or sorry, he did have a fumble, but no interceptions. Over 800 yards and six touchdowns his last uh, six, three games. I don't know. Pulling it out of my ass. We'll see what happens. Ben, I know you weren't here last week when we were going through the uh, the schedule that I had picked out for us after the bye week, but I'm currently 6-0 and now that I picked that Bills game as a loss. And I believe I had this Jacksonville Jaguars game as a win. I am not going to doubt myself now. I'm sticking with it. Lions 24, Jaguars 17. Similar to Isaac, he's got it 28-17. I think it's going to be somewhat of a lower scoring game. Jags defense is definitely not a joke. We're just coming off a great performance and a, a little bit of extra break since we had that Thursday Thanksgiving game. We'll get a little bit more wind in our sails and we'll be ready to go and take it to Jacksonville. So let's go lions. Let's get another win. Move to five and seven and stay on the hunt. The lions are currently sitting at 10th in the NFC with two teams ahead of them on the bubble with an 11% chance to make it in the playoffs. Right now, the two teams that are out, but still in front of us are the Seattle Seahawks and the Atlanta Falcons. The three teams that are currently sitting in the wild card spot are the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, and the Washington Commies, all NFC East teams. So just kind of taking a look at how we're going to make it here is obviously we want these five teams to lose as much as possible. But realistically, I think that the Cowboys are pretty safe to make the playoffs the way that they're going, the way that team has been humming lately with Dak back. I don't see them missing the playoffs. They would have to have a catastrophic collapse to miss it at this point. So I think that they're going to be finishing second in the NFC East, which leaves the New York giants and the Washington commanders. So we have tiebreakers with both of these teams, the giants and commanders still have to play each other twice. And the giants also have to play the Eagles twice. And also the Giants have to play the Vikings. So those are definitely not very easy games. Realistically, I think the best thing to do would have the commanders split. And I think that the Eagles are going to beat the, the Giants twice and the Vikings hopefully can pull one out against the Giants. But they also have to play the Colts. And that's a winnable game. But we'll see how the Colts do tonight against the Steelers. Jeff Saturday has those guys playing hard. So they might not even win another game for the rest of the season. The Giants definitely have the toughest schedule, I believe, um, but the commanders are pretty close too. Um, obviously, they're going to beat up on the Giants, you know, hopefully split there, but the commanders also have to play the Cowboys and 49ers, two playoff teams. I think the 49ers are pretty well entrenched in their spot after making that Christian McCaffrey trade. I think that they're going to make it. 
Um, but they also have to play the Cleveland Browns, and that's going to be week 17. Deshaun Watson is going to be back with four games under his belt to kind of tune up. So they might not win another game either. You know, the commanders have done great ever since making that switch to Heineke, but they've got a tough schedule ahead of them. So, you know, they might be lucky to squeak out another win or two in the season, if that. So I think it's a very achievable path, but the Lions control their own destiny. They got to win some games too. We might be able to squeak in with eight wins, but we're most likely going to need nine. And we've got a favorable schedule to do that. And it starts with Jacksonville. But looking on the looking at the other teams who are on the outside looking in, we got the Seattle Seahawks, who obviously beat us in Detroit earlier this season. They're currently six and five. They have to take on the 49ers and Chiefs, so that'll be tough. They also have to face the Jets, who have a great defense, one of the best in the NFL. But we'll see how long Mike White can keep this up. He's coming off of a great game ever since being named the starter when they bench Zach Wilson. So I have my doubts. Maybe he's just a flash in the pan, or maybe he's the answer the Jets have been searching for. So, um, But they do have two winnable games um, against the Rams and Panthers. I, I think they play the Rams twice, actually. So that could be three wins. Realistically, I could see the Seahawks getting in as well. It depends if Geno comes down to earth. They're still winning games. They've slumped a little bit lately, but I still have to give the Seahawks credit. They've overperformed everyone's expectations, and I think that they have a, a better path to the playoffs than the Giants and Commanders do at this point. But the last team that I wanted to talk about in the playoffs were the Atlanta Falcons, obviously outperforming expectations as well. Just a gritty ground and pound team that somehow gets it done with Marcus Mariota. They're sitting five and seven with home games against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Arizona Cardinals and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they're also playing two games on the road against the Saints and Ravens. Now, I could see the Falcons winning all of these games, but I could also see them losing all of these games. Like I said, they've overperformed all year. So, you know, I think realistically they'll probably get two of those wins finished with like a, a seven and nine record. That seems, well, I guess they can't like seven and 10 record. That seems about right to me. So hopefully the Lions can get three more at least, three, four more and get in over them. There's definitely a path. I know it's only 11% chance, but when I look at the Seahawks and the Falcons, I know the Seahawks beat us, but I think that we're still a better team than them. I think we've came a long way and we didn't have a lot of our weapons against the Seahawks when we originally had that draw. They're a little bit of an aberration. I still have my doubts in Geno Smith. As soon as I started betting on, of course, the guy fucks me and starts playing like shit. They get some losses, but they haven't been covering lately. Just lost to the Raiders. Defense can't stop anything. They just lost another 40 points against them. So they could be had to. I'm really hoping that we can make a push and sneak into that wild card game. Yeah, I completely forgot that it uh, is seven teams per conference. And as it sits now, the NFC East, the entire NFC East gets into the playoffs. That's just wild. I think the most likely option uh, or outcome rather is that we sneak in at that seven. If we were to make the playoffs is that we're going to sneak in at the seven seed and that would line us up for a third matchup with the Vikings potentially. Oh, I boy. like that a lot. I like that, I a, like lot. that a lot. That would be so sexy. Oh. <laughs> Pick your jaw up off the floor. We'll see how much Dude. we like that after, after we play them next week. I think yeah. it all comes down to this Jags game, though. If we happen to drop this game, I, I think it's just it's done. Yep, Agreed. it's a must win. And, you know, we've got wiggle room for, you know, another loss, maybe two. But 
we really got to play, you know, close to an undefeated season. If we really want to stand a chance, we control our own destiny. Sure. We can hope for all these teams to lose, but we're still going to have to win games to get out ahead of them. So we're going to have to jump some guys in these next few weeks. And I think we got the schedule to do it. So we'll see how she goes. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Now, obviously if we did beat the bills, we, I would be playing an entirely different tune right now, but the game's over. We lost. Let's move on. We're getting to b- 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 betting with the belly. Let's get these bets going then. We're going to go ahead and cover last week, which I happened to miss out on. Um, Corb fell back to earth a little bit. Uh, he went one and three last week. John, another one and three. And then Drew went two and two. Wasn't the best picks for the boys. Some games were a little wonky, though, so I understand why that happened. And, of course, this is the one game that I finally started decided to start betting again. Didn't necessarily take those picks, but I think I only won one bet from yesterday, and it was the Eagles covering against the Packers. So, yep, hey, back to being cold Corb again. Saved it all for Sunday night. Gotta love yep. it. Cold uh, and concave. Cold and concave Air Canada Corb. <laughs> All right, rolling into this week, who do you got for your favorite, Corbin? My favorite this week, easy. The Detroit Lions, one-point favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a home game. Sure, these teams are both four and seven, but, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars having that win against the Ravens definitely scares me. I'd feel a little bit more comfortable if they had lost that game. They do have some momentum going, but... I'm not going to pick against the boys again when we're favorites. Normally, I love to be an underdog, but this is a game that I think we can win. It's damn near a pick them. So give me the Lions. They're going to win. They have to. That's a true loyalist speaking. Uh, Isaac, looks like you got a little uh, fellow NFC North action. Yes, I do. So for my favorite, I'm going to go with the Vikings minus three against the Jets. It's at home and escort touchdown in the on the hunt section, I don't think. Mike White is going to be able to keep it up forever. I know the Jets have an elite defense, but they're going up against the God that is uh, 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins. So I think they get the job done at minus three. Non-primetime Kirk. Yeah, last year, Mike White started off hot and then he fizzled out quick. So his time could be short. Um, For my favorite, I'm sticking with the best quarterback in the league, which is Patrick Mahomes, minus two and a half against the Bengals. I don't know if Jamar Chase is going to be back or if he's going to be on a pitch count. But, yeah, they did take down my Titans, so I need some revenge from the Chiefs. I seem to recall the Chiefs getting their asses kicked by the Bengals just last year in the postseason. So we'll see if you get that one right, Belly. I'm rooting for you. Who do you got for your little shih tzu? My underdog this week is going to the Miami Dolphins. This is going to be a great game. They're going to San Francisco, taking on the 49ers. They are three and a half point dogs. And the way I see it, I mean, the Dolphins are playing some of the best offensive football in the entire NFL. The 49ers defense is elite too. So it's going to be a great matchup watching those two sides. Obviously, the 49ers have weapons of their own on the offensive end, but the Dolphins went out and grabbed Bradley Chubb to improve that side of the ball for them. So this is two of the best teams in the NFL going head-to-head. It's going to be a close game, but we'll see if the 49ers can put up the points that they need to to keep up with that red-hot two-a-lead offense. Give me the Dolphins plus three and a half. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, the 49ers handle the ball with Elijah Mitchell going down. It's going to be back to uh, Belkow CMC, but I think that's going to be a very fun game no matter which way it goes. Isaac, <laughs> tell me who's barking for you. <laughs> My dog this week is going to be the Texans plus seven against the Browns. we got a good old-fashioned revenge game. Deshaun Watson's going to be playing his first game back. I know the Texans are absolute dog shit, but I think Lovey Smith's going to have the boys up for it. 
Oh, I can't wait to hear the the chirps coming from the stadium. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have all the masseuses in Houston there. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think the Browns are going to consent to the Texans covering that spread, that's for sure. (laughs) Deshaun Watson will spread for them. (laughs) Yep, and uh, (laughs) um, for my dog, uh, I went with the Colts plus nine and a half against Dallas. I think I just did this on a whim earlier today at the office or something, because I, I don't even know if I believe in that anymore, but no, maybe old either. man, <laughs> maybe old man, Matty Ryan, uh, the nicest guy out there can uh, pull it off and keep it within nine and a half. Um, it's going to be tough on the road. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I really don't have any rhyme or reason, but uh, call me the fade doctor, I guess. I don't know, but public money is probably going to be on Dallas. Nine and a half is a lot of points. Oh yeah. Thanks man. I needed something. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet then, you that'll uh, hit now that you say that. <laughs> it's probably going to hit, and I'm going to be just rejoicing next yep. week. Corbin, uh, which one's going to be a high-scoring affair? My over this week is going to be the Bills-Patriots. Obviously, the Bills can you know do whatever they want on offense, but the Patriots have stepped up and looked pretty good recently, too. Looks like Von Miller is going to miss some time, so Mac Jones will have maybe a split second more to make a pass that he needs. Um, but that run game for the Patriots is great. And that's something that the bills aren't the best at stopping, um, you know, having bill Belichick, obviously he's going to have the boys ready to play. I just see this one kind of going like maybe like a 28, 25 game or something like that. I could definitely see both teams scoring over 20 points. So I'm hitting that over. That is a pretty low over under for a bills game. Um, I wonder if weather is uh forecast to be snowy or something up in uh, new England. I did not check that. I'll admit Oh, neither did I. I was just a guess. Meteorologist Bell. Isaac, who's going to be the shootout? All right. For my over, this one just, it stinks. It's kind of similar to your your Colts (laughs) Dallas one, but Broncos Ravens over 38. Um, (sighs) Russ is just abysmal, but I think I think the Ravens are going to bounce back after losing to a Jags team, and they might put up 38 themselves. I know the Broncos got a good defense, but Lamar is talking shit to people on Twitter, and he's still working to get his bag this offseason, and maybe this will be the week that uh, Mr. Unlimited figures it out. No way. I have my doubts. You know that the the Panthers-Broncos over-under was set at 36 points, the lowest of the year in the under hit? It did? Yeah. 23 Panthers, 10 for the Broncos. I don't think I can, the, the Broncos have put over 20 points just one time this. Oh, sorry. Two times this year against the Raiders and the Jaguars. So all I need is like 14 points out of the Broncos and then the Ravens can put up the rest. I think <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Gonna that's all I ask. <laughs> yeah. A, Good luck. <laughs> my over pick. I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe because I've been on the under for most of the Titans games this year. But I got Titans and Eagles over 44 and a half. I I want to root for the Titans, but I just feel like uh, the Eagles are going to trounce them. It's in Philly. We'll see. But I would love to see Derrick Henry have another great game. So I'm going to stick with that for the over. I don't know, man. The Eagles defense has softened up a little bit. I mean, you look at the I mean, the Packers just dropped 33 points on them. So I could see the Titans putting some points on the board. Yeah, yeah the maybe. Eagles. the Eagles run defense is not very good. And that's all that Tennessee can do. So. 
You know what, Isaac? I need you around more often, man. You <laughs> pipe up all my picks, no matter how bad they sound on paper. Dude, you got it. I got to spin every pick I make because I don't have no idea what the hell I'm doing most of the time. So <laughs> it's all a coin flip, and exactly uh, every time it comes up heads, I bet on tails. So <laughs> what the fuck am I, chopped liver? I just piped you up too. Why yeah, is Bowshot yeah, but... getting all the credit? Because you know he's a new guy. I want to be nice to him. <laughs> <laughs> you can give me shit. All right, fuck you. There um, you go. And last but not least, to wrap up this segment, let's see who's going low, low, low. Corbin, what do you got? Chargers-Raiders game. The line is set at 50 and a half points. You know, the Chargers offense, obviously it's solid, but they are still missing a couple of those key wide receivers. Mike Williams going out. They've been relying on DeAndre Carter and uh, Josh Palmer. Keenan Allen's been back. He had a nice game for himself, but, you know, Chargers have kind of disappointed a little bit this year. Um, At least record wise, there's currently sitting outside looking in for the playoffs. It is a stacked AFC Raiders as well. One of the worst teams in football. Josh Jacobs is coming off a big game, but I think he's going to come down to earth a little bit. And that line looks a little high for me. I'm taking 50 and a half on the under. Uh, Isaac, who's going low for you, my friend. All right. My uh, under for this week, I'm going to go Lions Jags uh, under 52. I think like we kind of touched on a little bit in our preview section, my estimation for the game is 28 to 17. So I think the Lions get a couple turnovers. Maybe Jared Goff turns into Jared Goof, makes a couple plays. Um, and 51 for 52, rather, is a lot of points. Jared Goof. I've never heard that one before. Never heard that? No, it's creative. I like it. One letter different. If you can't handle them at Jared Goof, you don't deserve the Goff <laughs> Um, And last but not least, to wrap up this segment, I originally had tonight's game punched in for my under, so I just shot it from the hip. I'm going to go uh, Pittsburgh versus the Falcons under 42. Um, two very mediocre offenses. You got a young Kenny Pickett who's still developing and the Falcons. I don't even know what to make of that offense. I think they got four or five running backs over or four or five rushers over 400 yards in the season. They don't have a single bell cow. Uh, Drake London has been having a decent, but very mediocre year. Kyle Pitts is out just a lot of things to be desired in that game. So I'm going to take the under. Good call, Belly. All right, that's going to do it for betting with the belly. Let's move on and talk a little bit about the World Cup. Only once every four years we get an opportunity to discuss it. And with Thanksgiving, we didn't really have a chance last week, but glad we can get Isaac on our soccer professional to go over it with us. So, Isaac, why don't you take it away? All right, yeah, so the World Cup, like you said, once every four years, I think it's a really cool, unique um, event, and it's actually what got me into soccer um, after the 2010 World Cup when Landon Donovan netted that last-minute winner against Algeria to get us out of groups. Um, And that's where we find ourselves today with the U.S. A little disappointing draw last week against Wales. We outplayed them for the majority of the game and made one boneheaded tackle um, that ended up costing us a penalty. And then on Friday against England um, was one of the best performances I've seen by a U.S. national team in a long time. Uh, They genuinely outplayed a top-five squad in the world for the majority of the game. Uh, you can kind of see when England made their subs that they're a little bit deeper than us, but our midfield of young guns, we have the youngest team in the world cup actually performed really admirably and got us to where we're at now, where on Tuesday we face Iran and it's a win and win and we're in or out of groups rather the battle uh, for uranium. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. One of an Iranian uh, journalist today asked the U.S. men's national coach why he hasn't asked 
our president to take a naval ship from outside <laughs> of Iranian waters. So that's where we're at in the geopolitical landscape. But um, on the actual topic of soccer, there's been some crazy games. Um, two major upsets in the first two rounds of the group stage. Japan uh, had a late comeback against Germany, which was a huge upset. And then the biggest upset of all was Saudi Arabia um, overtook. Where is Messi? Where is Messi? <laughs> where is Messi? That was it. Yeah, dude. Saudi Arabia um, upset Argentina. And I think I saw it's like, based on like the ratings that they do like the elo system or whatever it's like the 10th highest upset of all time between like gap between the two teams um so it's like a genuinely crazy upset and some of the celebrations of the saudis you just see guys walking outside and just unloading the ak's just crazy <laughs> shit <laughs> and I'll then send you one of those. they're in the stadium just screaming at the argentina fans <laughs> I heard all the Saudi players got a Rolls Royce for beating Argentina too. Yep. And then the, the Emir or whatever you call it, did like a national day off. Just like everyone gets the day off the next day after they won. <laughs> Nobody's um, working today. Which is funny because Saudi Arabia is probably not even going to get out of their group, but I don't know, man, one win and they could make it. They got to play Mexico who has been just not good. That we'll is see. true. Uh, who did they, who did they lose to Poland? Poland, yep. Okay. Poland. I saw, like, you remember that one video of that Jets player, like, walking up to his facility and then tried to, like, use his key <laughs> yeah. card and he was locked yeah. out? I saw that, like, if Saudi loses to Poland, saw, like, players walking up to get their Rolls Royce and it's just, oh, not working. <laughs> Did I get cut? Did I get cut? <laughs> it's taken away. But, but yeah, a couple of the major storylines I'd say of this World Cup is um, this is, like, Messi and Ronaldo's last ride. I think Ronaldo's 37 and I think Messi is 35 thereabouts. So the next time this the World Cup comes around, Ronaldo's going to be in his 40s and Messi's going to be pushing 40. So I don't think they're going to be involved, um, even though they're just freaks who've been at the top for, for almost two decades. Um, and they I think look good. They, they still, still look, look good. good Messi hit the winner against Mexico. Uh, just an insane goal from not a half chance out of nowhere. And Ronaldo's just a – or, well, Penaldo – is a penalty king, um, but Portugal looks looks nasty. They they might be set up to make a deep run. I didn't see it today, but apparently uh, I was in a meeting. But there was like a cross that came in, and uh, Portugal scored on a cross. And my buddy's just feeding me like the uh, the live updates, and he said Ronaldo was freaking out, saying it touched his head. And in the replay, it's just nowhere near him. Yep. Yeah, it it honestly is a little bit closer than, than you'd think, but yeah, it didn't touch his hair at all. Like you can see the rotation of the ball and it doesn't change at all. And he absolutely was trying to claim it for his own, but I mean, that's the, that's the elite mentality that you need to go for every single one of them. And I honestly, him jumping at the ball caused the keeper to do something different. So he definitely did still affect it, but he wants um, that golden boot. Exactly. So I think going, like I said, we're through two rounds of the group stage. Um, and so starting tomorrow is the final round of the group stage. There will be two games simultaneously at 10 a.m. and then two more simultaneously at 2 p.m. Um, for the next however many days um, until all the groups are finished out to, to keep any teams from seeing what other teams are doing and changing how they play and their results. But most importantly, U.S., just win and you're in. We get to the round of 16. And that's kind of where my, my bold prediction for this whole tournament comes from is I think the U S will make it to the quarterfinals and they honestly have a decent path to get to the semifinals. I know this is talking crazy and it's kind of like you know, a little bit of nationalism or whatever, but if they beat Iran, which they can do, Iran only needs a draw. They're going to sit in 
the U.S. can beat them. They get out of groups, and they're most likely going to play the Netherlands in the round of the 16. And the Netherlands are good, but if they play like they did against England, I think England's a better team than the Netherlands. And even if you get a 0-0 draw, it goes to pen penalties, extra time and penalties, and that's a coin flip. So I think they might be able to get past the round of 16 into the quarterfinals. And then if in, somehow in some crazy world they get to the quarters, they're going to play the winner of um, either Poland and Argentina and Australia, Denmark, which are also both – it'll most likely be Argentina. But, again, they haven't been super great outside of one moment of magic from Messi. So that's a crazy I, uh, prediction. But I got the Netherlands in one of my pools, so I've been following them pretty closely. And that first game, they looked great. Uh, the second game against Ecuador, they scored that goal early. And then Ecuador came down and what is it? Valencia. Yep. Valencia scored. And then they looked just awful after that. They looked like they couldn't get anything going on in the back. I so, know. Um, it, and I just, USA needs to find a way to score more goals. You can't only have one goal through two games. Then the Netherlands are good. So if what you're saying is true, I would love to see USA go deep, but they got to start putting the ball in the back of the net. And I know that's cliche and silly, but it's just. No, I mean, it is true. They've scored one goal, but on the inverse side of that, they've, they've only given, given up, up one. They've only given up one and it wasn't from open play either. So it was a penalty, which was just one of the stupidest plays I've ever seen, but there's yeah. a path for them and they're the youngest team at the world cup. All it takes is one moment. Pulisic hasn't had his, his moment yet. He almost scored against England. He uh, hit the crossbar. If they play like the way they did against England, they can they can get out of the group for sure. I mean, that's how it goes sometime. I mean, I've watched both of the U.S.'s games, and I've watched a couple of games here and there as well. But, I mean, you could tell, like, when we played Wales, we dominated them in the first half. And Absolutely. then I feel like we got a little bit more conservative. You know, there was, like, the whole debacle over not taking any subs in the second half, and then we had the PK. So one stupid mistake cost us a draw there. And then we... I mean, maybe outside of the first 15 minutes of the game against England, but we had no problem handling them. They made their subs in like the 70th minute and they had a little bit momentum. But once we made our subs, we were right back in the swing of things. So, I mean, we and we had a ton of corners too, lots of ops that almost went in. I mean, that keeper was saving a lot of balls. And then you mentioned the crossbar from Pulisic too. So it's just a matter of time before some of these start going in. I think that the U.S. has what it takes to beat Iran get out of group and we'll see what we can do in the knockout stage. Yeah. hundred percent. The, one of the reasons England, like after those first 15 minutes, they were afraid to send more players up because of how quickly our midfield trio of Adams, Musa and McKenney would change the change the play and go on the counter and get it to our fast forwards. Like I said, this is all based on a huge, if, if they can beat Iran, but Iran's probably going to be the last game of the tournament where, the U.S. is going to be controlling the ball for the majority of the game and have to break down a team that's sitting in the box. And if they can do that and get out for the rest of the tournament, they're going to be the ones inviting the pressure. And as soon as they get a turnover, then it's all guns forward and high press running fast with all the young athletic midfielders that we have. So I got a question for you, Bo. So I know we had a bunch of trouble with the yellow cards in the game against Wales. How long do those carry over? Is it just the one game? Man, I I was thinking about that today and I wish I knew. I think they carry over. So like if they if if McKenney or Dest were to get a yellow card in this game, I think they would be out the round of 16, but they reset in quarters. 
Hmm. Um, I'm pretty That's sure. Stupid. Yeah. I mean, three games with a yellow card. I mean, especially in that first game, I thought the ref was just passing them out like they were candy on Halloween. And then when we play England, I feel like they were playing tough and nobody got any cards. So yeah, that ref in the Wales game was just crazy. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I mean, the PK alone was questionable as fuck, but I just looked still. it up. Yeah, I had it. I have it right. So players had their outstanding yellow cards wiped after the quarters. Yep. Okay. Until well, the quarters. Oh, until, until the quarters. Quarter. So I was wrong. Yeah. yeah, that's that's even longer than I thought, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's absurd. I mean, we definitely have some guys on the bench who, you know, like Rainia, like we haven't even really put him in at all and outside of like the last 10 minutes. So maybe that is why we're saving some of those guys just in case we do get into trouble with those cards, because if it comes down to it, we got to be ready to go all out aggressive on Iran. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think the one thing I haven't touched on yet really with the U S team is I hate their manager. And so that's going to be the <laughs> one thing that's going to keep them from, from doing Probably what I'm saying could tell be us possible. how you really feel. Dude, is it because he doesn't talk about geopolitical issues? <laughs> no, I I respect him for his answer there, but he he might not be a geopolitical terrorist, but he's a soccer terrorist. He's an absolute clown who I don't know. I don't think he knows what he's doing. Um, and like you said, like where's where's Reina been? Why hasn't he been brought on earlier in the Wales game? Pulisic was looking really tired or picked up an injury or something and couldn't run as very much sub him out, you know, 10, 15 minutes earlier and put on guys who can actually change the game, but is what it is when and we're in. So I guess I would have to ask you a question. If you had to pick two teams, one as your all time favorite, probably going to win it. And then who's your dark horse to win it. All right. So my favorite, I think I'm just going to go with what the money's on and say Brazil. Um, Brazil is just a wagon there. They have so much quality one through 11. They can feel the second 11 of a team that would probably get out of the groups. The Joga Bonita is what they call it. The beautiful game. They're just Brazil's unbelievable. That goal and today was unreal. The one yeah, hopper Casemiro just half volley. And then my dark horses, I know I said my, in my bold prediction that the USA might be able to beat them, but I think my dark horse is going to be the Netherlands. They, like you said, they've kind of been quiet a little bit in the group stage. They've showed flashes, um, but I think they have enough quality um, up front and in the midfield to to make some teams sweat a little bit in the later yeah, they got, rounds. They got Qatar, so they're probably going to advance. With exactly. These. They're going to advance pretty easily. They're probably going to rest some guys. No yellow card worries. Um, Qatar's already out. They don't have to worry about any of it. So I think the Netherlands with Louis van Gaal as their manager, who know, and he's one who knows what he's doing, um, I think they're – they might make a run. Corb, what about you, bud? Well, obviously my uh, football knowledge has taken a little bit of a hit lately. Back in college, I was playing FIFA multiple times a day, every single day. And so I knew every player for every team, for every country. But now my knowledge has definitely lacked a little bit. I still know some of the big players, obviously, the good countries. I am in like a uh, a pool with a couple of friends. I think there's like eight of us maybe. I'm sitting number one right now. But that can change just depending on how the third round of the um, the group stage goes. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, my favorite from the beginning was France. And I know that they lost Benzema. But, I mean, they have no problems getting it done. They're the reigning World Cup champions. The one player that I didn't really know about until, you know, a couple of years ago who I followed along pretty closely was Kylian Mbappe. Mbappe. Yeah. Yes, sir. Because I'm a big PSG fan ever since Zlatan Ibrahimovic also hasn't DM me back. We're good with Michael Badgley. <laughs> so if he slides in now, I'm probably going to ignore him. But 
Mbappe can get it done. France is just a well-rounded team. They got a lot of depth too. I think they're the second favorite to win it. And then my dark horse, I got to agree with you, Bosha. I'm taking the Dutch. My heritage can't pick against them. Don't know a damn player on the team, but I saw that they were one of the favorites and I'm like, I got to stick true to the blood. I will say, Corbin, that FIFA thing you said earlier reminds me of just like the old players from when I played FIFA. And I just keep yelling players that have been retired for a long time. Oh, yeah. Where's Wesley Schneider at? (laughs) (laughs) You want to know what blew my mind, actually, is I just realized the other day that Italy is not even in the World Cup. What happened to them? And they won the Euro. They they won won the the Euros. It's crazy. They just they had a couple easy games in qualifying that they just needed like a couple points from, and I forget who one of the teams was. It was a real, might've been like Montenegro or Malta, some like really small country and they didn't get a result and just stupid. Like, I don't know how they didn't get in. Wrap it up for me. Um, I was going to say France. Uh, There's a lot of teams that I really do like uh, that are at the top of their groups. Uh, I like Portugal. I like France. I like Spain. I mean, that's pretty bandwagony answer. But uh, for my uh, one of the guys that are leading the pack, I'm just going to go with France as well, Corbin. I think they're going to repeat. They look nasty out there. Um, Even when they looked like they were having some trouble, Mbappe came down and scored. They just look like one mean team. Then again, the group they're in is not that skilled compared to some other groups. Um, But for my dark horse, I'm going to go with Croatia. Uh, I bet them heavy on Sunday, uh, threw about 200 bucks on them, and they they got scored on by Canada in like the first eight minutes. I turned on the game late, and I was like, well, this was a good fucking bet. And then uh, went to my favorite Mexican restaurant, Tony's, and watched the end of the game, and they ended up winning four to one, I believe. So I was pretty stoked about that. Uh, Luka Modric is still playing, which I was surprised. Still doing Um, it. (laughs) Little guy out there just making moves. And Croatia's got just some filthy unis, man. Oh, I love yeah. the way that checkered pattern looks. Belly's going with the 2018 rematch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think France is going to – they're going to go deep, but I don't know if their midfield is is experienced enough. They got, they're got they missing Pogba and Conte, and they got a bunch of young guys um, who are very, very good, but I don't know if they're going to have the, the experience or the medal to make that deeper run. I forgot Paul Pogba plays for France. Cole Pogba. Anyways, let's wrap it up with the soccer talk. We'll tune into the U.S. as they take on Iran. Sorry, Iran. Yeah, don't gonna make that, that distinction. No, they'll come for your neck, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> as the U.S. takes on Iran tomorrow, two p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't miss it. Let's get deep in those guts, Belly. I heard you got something hot and angry ready to come out. Let's go into the bowels of the belly. Let's hear it. Um, a little backstory, something you should know is every trip I like to go on, I vote Airbnbs over hotels or any other dwelling for that matter. And after this trip, that has changed. I don't know if I'll ever book an Airbnb again or put my name on it for that matter. So we're going to go ahead and dive in. I'm just going to start with the trip, give some quick bullet points, and then we'll get to the chaos night. Uh, We fly into Jacksonville. Everything's fine. First night goes well. We get up early. We go to go to the golf course. Um, One of our buddies, uh, Eric, uh, drove across the country to uh, come to this golf outing. And if you know anything about me, I'm very anal when it comes to organization and being on time, especially for tee times. We get there, and all of a sudden, Stark's nowhere to be found. I call him. He's like, oh, I'm at Dick's. I was like, what do you mean you're at Dick's? He's like, I had to get golf balls. 
I was like, dude, you drove 16 hours. You couldn't have stopped and gotten golf balls. And I think he just dropped like a fuck off on me or something. And uh, so then moving in that day, golf goes fine. Go to the bar. Great night. Next night, golf. Go to the bar. Great night. And then it comes down. It's a big Ryder Cup thing. So we're tied going into the last day. I have never won one of my own belly blood baths. And sure enough, again, we lose. So after you lose, you get a pie to the face. We go down to the beach. It's all fun loving. Uh, my team gets pied in the face. And then we're going to go to the bar. And before we go to the bar, we'll just call my buddy Tim. Just keep his name out of it. Uh, we're about to go to the bar. And old Tim just grabs his big old bottle of Jim Beam. And he just, there's probably like a 16th of the bottle left, but it's a half gallon. He chugs the whole thing. And I'm just like, uh-oh, this isn't going to be good. So I'm trying to be humble and defeat. I go to the bar. I'm ripping tequila shots, having a great time. All of a sudden, I see Tim like walk away from the group. And I'm like, this can't be good. Sure enough, the waitress comes over to me and she's like, hey, you got to get your buddy out of here. And I was like, great. So I walk over to the bar and I see Tim and this kid can't even sit on his seat. He's falling off his stool. And I'm like, well, this is fucking great. So then um, he's trying to grab the beer out of my hand. I'm like, no, put it down. We got to go. So I have to drag him out of the bar and he's much bigger than I am. So I'm gassed, of course, because I haven't done cardio in a year. And so I'm trying to drag him out. I'm trying to get him to stand up, but his drunk lean is so bad. He just keeps falling. He's bumper carring off of all these vehicles. And I finally like, I'm, we got to walk across this like two lane highway to get back to the place. There's only like 200 yards from the bar. I eventually text the boys. I'm like, I need help. And so, um, like four boys come running out. It was pretty awesome. Like within two seconds, four people were outside <laughs> helping me. I was like, well, damn. They, the cavalry has arrived. The cavalry has <laughs> arrived. And they're all trying to talk some sense into him. And right before they got out there, I actually like lost the grip of him. And he falls, smokes his elbow on the ground, and his head kind of rocks off the concrete. <laughs> So then everybody's out there they're like, oh, he's concussed. He's concussed. I'm like, no, he just drank a half gallon of Jim, Jim Beam. So we're trying to get him to stand up and this kid cannot stand up. So our buddy Grant went and got the van and we have to like <laughs> four of us have to pick him up by his ankles. I've got him in a bear hug. We get him into the van. He thinks people are trying to fight him because he's so drunk. So he's like, get off me. Get off me. And I was like, God <laughs> damn it. No, just be still. So we finally get him onto the couch. He's sitting down. And then our other two friends, we'll call him Jay and Jay, just keep chirping him over and over again about how drunk he is. I was like, I don't think you understand. He's going to get up and kill us all. So we finally get everything settled down and we're sitting there. I am absolutely exhausted, huffing and puffing. I grab a beer, I'm sipping on it. And then all of a sudden I just hear glass shattering and uh, I walk out to the front door and there's like a little piece of circular glass and that's just gone. Apparently our buddy E, he uh, went to go get in the house and decided to open a palm, just smack the shit out of the door. And he ended up hitting the glass and that ended up breaking. We actually got video of it. We'll upload it to uh, the. Oh, I saw it. <laughs> he actually didn't hit it that hard, but the glass was so thin. It made no sense for a Florida home because like there's hurricanes and stuff. So I don't know why it was so uh, thin. So then at that point, I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm just done with this night. The last night is toast. And then um, we finally cleaned up the glass and then I walked down the beach, blow off some steam. Um, we did some Oklahoma drills on the beach to uh, get our <laughs> anger out. Uh, I only did one. Um, it was a tie. So it was cool. And then we finally get back and I walk in and then all of a sudden I just hear crashing in the bathroom. I'm like, what are you, what is going on now? I walk into the bathroom and this bathroom has like one of those big giant glass doors that are super heavy. It is just on the floor. 
Like it just fell out of its like construction joint in the wall. And I'm like, oh God. So we're trying to put it back into the little slot. It takes four of us because it's heavy as shit. We end up chipping the glass a little bit. So of course we got charged for that too. So then the night is finally winding down. Um, I'm like still pissed. I'm like, I got to deal with this call in the morning. I got to talk to this guy. And so we're laying in bed, uh, me and my roommate. And then sure enough, two of the other guys got locked out of their Airbnb. So they come and they lay in our bed because we had the king bed and we're just watching comedy. And then all of a sudden, like a funny joke happens. I start laughing and then the bed frame just collapses on my ass. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck, man? I'm so sick of this shit. And so then, um, Woke up the next morning, uh, texted the guy, did a well thought out crafted text saying I was sorry. And uh, he was not happy, but he handled it like a professional. So um, the rest of the week, it was a short week before Thanksgiving. I'm just working, just waiting for this text to come from the Airbnb guy to tell us how bad the damage is. And uh, we finally get the bill and it was five grand in damages. Which Holy is shit. Insane. And um, yeah, just took a hit on the Venmo. Everybody paid a little bit and it was just bad news all around. Uh, My Airbnb uh, rating took a hit. I don't think I'll ever be able to book on Airbnb again. And uh, yeah, that's a wrap for the chaos trip. Oh my Uh, God. God. Five grand. I dude. I mean, he did kind of nickel and dime us, but I think the house was a little brittle, but I mean, (laughs) like you can't like, all right. So I was running the numbers on like, how, what do you think a typical bed frame could hold? Like a, a thousand pounds, right? I mean, Has I'd to. say, yeah, at least. I feel like I've piled like eight bodies into a bed before and there wasn't even oh, a chance. Oh, belly. Not in an orgy <laughs> fashion. All dudes. Okay, it was an orgy. But, <laughs> but it, it's just, it, it was, I, I'm so over it. I'm glad it's finally paid and done with. I don't know if there will be a bloodbath for. We'll have to do something in hotels where everybody's responsible for their own room. I was just sped up and I had a tough work week and everybody's texting me like, Oh, you want to hang out? And I'm like, I don't want to see a fucking soul for at least a week. <laughs> All right. A couple questions for you. So who did you take on in the Oklahoma drill? Greg. Oh, <laughs> I can imagine Greg. I didn't, I didn't really go lumber. for the tackle. I kind of did like the, the arms here and kind of explode. And we just kind of smacked and stopped. And I was like, let's go again. And he's like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) That was all he had in him. So did he give you like an itemized list of deductions? Oh, yeah. What what were some of the big ticket items? The the door and the bed, obviously. How much was the shower door? 1200 bucks. And the bed frame? Uh, He had some reasoning where he had to go buy a temporary one, but... He said it ruined the look of his beach house because it looked tacky in the metal. So he had to get another bed frame on back order from that one. He had to get a custom door that didn't look like the old one. Uh, There was a fan remote that was on a wall. I didn't even know existed. That was broken. Uh, We got popped because a couple people puked outside the house and didn't clean it up. We got popped for noise one night. It was just fucking chaos. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. That's... Well, don't let it get you down, Bell. I mean, you're the organizer. We need you for these types of things. If somebody yeah, else has someone... to take the hit on the B&B or the VRBO and or Verbo, and so be it. I said that like, all right, <laughs> whoever broke the door, booked the next Airbnb, I'm just going to be throwing haymakers at the drywall. <laughs> <laughs> just got to hit yeah, a couple that... parlays. Just got to hit a couple parlays. And I thought I was doing great this week. And then I accidentally, I logged back in and it turns out I like lost three of the bets. I thought I won. I was like, shit. 
Oh, I'm sure you'll be able to, to recover in no time, but yeah, I'm glad I was not on that trip. I didn't, I do not want to be one of the guys fronting that bill. So that does sound shitty, but that's when you get, when you get the boys together like that. I mean, it was bound to happen. We've kind of skated by and gotten lucky a couple of times, but not so much. Yeah, We got lucky around. with the ATV at my birthday party. <laughs> Yeah, with your Airbnb host and your Turo host, you had your hands full, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. And then the Turo, there's like the little uh, magnetic like thing that attaches below the hitch. That was just gone when I parked the car. Don't know who took it or if it fell off. Just, yeah, I'm over the trip. Probably Bloodbath 3 is in the books. I lost. It's done. All right. That was a good bowels of the belly. Hope you guys liked it. Ben, what you got for me this week? All right, so I had a couple ones. I had some gross ones. I had some sexual things, but I feel like we've been doing that uh, kind of uh, on the regular. So um, I I don't know how this popped into my head. Uh, oh, yeah, I do, because my one buddy said that, uh, what if you had to sharpen your teeth to points? <laughs> and so, so <laughs> like but I, went, I went a step further. And so I have, this is going to take me a long time to explain all the reasons why you won't like this but I'm going to go for it anyway. So Corbin, I got to ask you, how bad do you want it? You would have to officially become a vampire. You have to sharpen your teeth, which means that means you can never, uh, you'll have to have a tough time eating corn on the cob for the rest of your days. Vampires don't like fires. That means no bonfires. You might be afraid of the pilot light in your furnace. No s'mores, no camping. And what happens if you're on a deserted island? How are you just going to be cold? Then again, you're a vampire. That one might not be a big deal. Another big one, sunlight. You won't be able to go outside ever again when the sun is shining. That means no boat days, no beaches, no outdoor football games. And holy water, say goodbye to baptizing your kid, <laughs> even though it's a half-breed, whatever. Um, crosses, you can never attend a wedding again. The moment you go to a church, you're like, Psh, I got to skip that. But you know what? The ceremony kind of sucks anyway, and you only have to go to the reception. True. Hopefully it's not nearby uh, the wedding. Oh, could you imagine just driving down the street at night? You see a church, and you're just like, <laughs> You just get scared for no reason. <laughs> um, another one, silver. What if you have some old jewelry you like to wear? It's just going to be burning the shit out of you and killing you. If you have any coins from pre-1963, pre throw those away. You can't use those. What if you got a nice heirloom <laughs> from your grandmother? Some vintage silverware? You're going to have to be eating with chopsticks or find some pewter. Um, another one. <laughs> Another one, you have the inability to enter anyone's home uninvited. So you're just going to be standing at the end of the door at a, at a Why party. Why can't vampires go into a home uninvited? It's a vampire code. Haven't you ever seen what we do in the shadows? Exactly. No. See? Isaac gets it. I know. So anyway, you're just going to be sitting outside a party. Just be like, hey, guys. And then they're just going to be like, what do you want? You can't be like, are you going to invite me in? Because that goes against the code. And then last but not least, or actually not last, but another one garlic in general say goodbye Fuck. to garlic bread garlic butter garlic knots any indian dish cooking food in general and then last but not least van helsing will be hunting you to the end of your days so even if you do pull off this vampire look or whatever you're doing he might kill you before the lions even get the super bowl so corbin those are a lot of reasons tell me how bad do you want it so I'm hearing a whole lot of negatives about being a vampire but there's some fucking positives too like, cool. don't you live forever, for one? Cool. So you got to watch all your friends die? You to watch the lions forever. <laughs> well, what are some positives of being a vampire? Let me look it up. You got a sick cape. 
You can transform into a I bat do, and fly. I, I do love having a fucking cape. When I was a kid, didn't matter what my costume was. I had this one sick vampire cape. I was a football player one year with a cape. I was also like a Power Ranger with a cape. I wore that fucking cape every single Halloween. I just got lightheaded. What do you mean? You were a cape wearing football player? Yep. That's right. You can ask me. I mom. am. Thank God. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> All right, so you can live forever. You will be a lot more powerful than a regular human being. You will look young forever. You won't age, both internally or externally. You can hypnotize and compel others to do things for you with ease. Would I have to file my all of my teeth or just like the, the canines or whatever it is? The, the four main ones. Actually, I looked it up today. I think it's your uh, the two right to the right of the buck tooth, I think, maybe. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, on the bottom, too. So you got those tusk things going on. Also, my blood will have the ability to heal my friends. Okay. Well, yeah, that's nice. Be... So you guys, oh, when, we're at, when we're at the, when we're at the Sparty game, getting our ass beat in a fist fight with Wolverine fans, you'll just be like, Hey, wait till night. And then I will join. <laughs> <laughs> this article says you can't venture out into the sunlight as it will destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you don't think I could get by just wearing, like, hoodies and shit like that? Like, I'd have to have drawn curtains and everything? You could just go out like and a... And you got to sleep in this wooden box. I don't have to sleep in a wooden box. I could sleep in that's a That's where vampires sleep. That's that's where some vampires sleep. I don't think they have to sleep in a fucking coffin. Name the vampires you know sleeping on a fucking purple I don't know bed. any vampires. What about <laughs> Robert Pattinson in Twilight? I think he had a bed. No, that guy just glistened in the sunlight. He's not a real vampire. What? He glistened in the sunlight. He looked like a little gem with all the light beams dancing off of him. I mean, he you haven't seen vampire. the movie. No, I haven't. I haven't read the books. I haven't seen the movie. Well, he was a little bitch vampire. Oh, you will have to give up the joy of eating any food as all you can feed and digest is blood. Fuck. And then also, you have a real problem with love. I am a lover. Fuck. <laughs> you just turn your girl into a vampire too that would solve your holy water baptism problem i don't know there are some definitely some pros of being a vampire but yeah i mean just for think, the sake of living my life i'll give you this one bell i don't think i could be a vampire to, i put a lot of thought the lions to win a Super Bowl. i can tell that was the most well thought out one that you've ever come up with i mean you had all my questions answered before i even asked them for the most part you had all the cons, but there are definitely some pros. I don't know. I mean, this is a tough one. I would definitely have to change my life completely. All right, fuck that. You got me there, Bell. I would not become a vampire for the Lions to win a Super Bowl. You're fucking awesome. <laughs> See, these are the questions that I'm looking for, though. That was a good one. That was your best one yet, I would say. I know. I put a lot of thought into it. Uh, I actually did some prep work this time, and I wasn't in a bad mood for most of the day. <laughs> Well, that's off to you, Belly. Good work. I'm back to seven and seven for those keeping track at home. But that's going to do it for this one, guys. Thanks again for listening. If you're checking, if you're a new listener and you're just starting to check us out, please follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform you might listen to us on. If you haven't done so already, give us a review, leave us five stars, give us a follow on the social medias, Twitter, Instagram. My handle is LightCorbiashi, and we also have accounts for the belly and the fish as well. Um, DM me or text me any ideas of segments that you can think of that you would want to hear. That'd be cool. And please don't forget to tell your friends, family, coworkers, and everyone and anyone that you can think of. 
We appreciate the love and support, guys. Big thank you to Isaac for coming out. Uh, it was real fun, man. I love your knowledge on the World Cup. I feel like I was the only one watching it and uh, some of my friend groups, so it was good to hear some other insight. Um, yes, please remember to like, subscribe. Uh, we appreciate any feedback you guys give us, and thank you for listening, as always. Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Um, love talking Lions and talking footy, so whenever you guys need, let me know. Happy to have you, yeah. bud. And with that said... Oh, my God.